Good evening and welcome to another edition of Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from The Voice of America in Washington. I'm Douglas Simpuga. This evening we'll talk about immigration in Africa. And with us tonight is uh, Nelly Mora Nyangorora. She's a Nairobi-based independent journalist. Welcome to the show, Nelly. Thank you very much, Douglas, and uh, thank you so much for hosting me once again you, on your show. You're very much welcome. And also joining us is regular panelist, Suleiman Mugula. He's joining us as usual from Durban, South Africa. He's an independent political analyst. Uh, welcome to the show, Suleiman. Thank you very much for inviting me as always. You're welcome. As I said, looking at migration in Africa, uh, it's, a diff- it's a very complicated picture in Africa yeah. because uh, recently we heard of uh, people crossing the oceans into Europe. Uh, in just recently, in just two days, 8,000 migrants, including an estimated 2,000 miners, uh, crossed the border into Spain, uh, in North, uh, go through uh, North Africa. That's nearly four times the number that made the same trip last year. And uh, there is another issue also of uh, thousands, tens of thousands actually, of young Africans, especially ladies, uh, being shipped to work in the Gulf. So uh, then begin with Suleiman. What do you make of these people fleeing the continent? I think, Douglas, that is an indictment to the leadership on the continent of Africa. First of all, these are the young people of the continent, most productive workforce, most energetic, some of them most educated who are migrating. Amidst all this confusion, much as it has been a continuous flow, these young people, there seems to be little attempts from our African government to stop the flow of these kids. And one of the most difficult part about, about it, or one, one of the most uh, painful part, is that one of the push factors are the leaders themselves. The leaders, many of them who are arrested, many of them who don't have politi- policies which can stop these young people from leaving the continent. So as we can see, most of the push factors are still prevalent, and even the pull factors are still prevalent in the countries where, where they are going. But when you scrutinize them, you see that they are all suckering around the issues of government, issues of economic development. So long as our countries are still not geared towards developing our economies, the flow of young people will continue for better life in Europe. Uh, Nelly, what's your take generally on, on this people on this on this issue? Yeah, it, it's quite disheartening to see reports that, uh, despite the dangerous venture of, of trying to cross that Mediterranean into into land, for instance, in Italy, many people still try to do this, and even we see that they even criminalize uh, anyone who tries to rescue the migrants who are drowning. But still, despite this, many people still risk. Uh, to, to get to this land. And uh, those who succeed, uh, many times we, we see reports that uh, they don't lead any good life. Some are engaged in jobs that are too manual and, and, and uh, even uh, have no homes. They even are homeless. But still, we see that uh, pregnant women, the children, 
and uh, the vulnerable groups still try to risk it all to leave. Uh, for, for Kenya, for instance, uh, we have seen that there's a lot of uh, migration into the Gulf countries. Uh, and, and this is uh, because uh, uh, of the rising unemployment in, in, in this country. And, then, and I think that is also implicated across Africa. But uh, because of the rising unemployment level, because of the lack of meritocracy in employment uh, and the rising nepotism in these uh, employment cases, we find that uh, those, who, uh, those who feel like they really have to provide for their families after they have sacrificed to take them to school look out to, uh, to go out. They, they, they think that uh, it's green out there. And, and so because of the situation, we have unscrupulous agents who have taken advantage of this, and they have uh, uh, taken people into this country, especially in the Gulf areas, where they have engaged uh, these people into workforce uh, that has been uh, very frustrating to many. In fact, there are reports that many get tortured out there. They, they are those who are even denied food. There are many girls who sexual exploitation. And uh, reports have always been out there even in the media. But regardless, people still want to leave the country. And the irony is that uh, as we leave, many others, especially from China, are coming in to do some of these manual jobs, like if I even Chinese walking uh, stuff along the streets, doing things that the locals could do. But uh, the, the Kenyans or mostly Africans still feel that working outside or abroad is far more uh, more attractive to them. Maybe it, it, it's easier than working or getting a job in your own country. Yeah, Suleiman, uh, what's even more uh, annoying, according to some people, is that some governments are encouraging these girls, young women, to to ship, ship them in the Gulf and go there, regardless of what happens to them there. As Nelly mentioned, there are cases of sexual abuse, there are slave, slave wages, they, are work, they work 24 hours nonstop. Uh, why would that be the case? You see, one of the biggest problems is that uh, uh, the bottom line is that um, many of our African economies have failed to grow appropriately, have failed to, to, to grow to the extent that they can create enough employment for the young people. Because of that, many of the leaders in Africa are facing pressure. Many of these young people are growing day and night. Many of the education institutions are churning out thousands and thousands of young people who are looking for jobs. The politicians don't have the ability to create enough jobs. Because of that, they feel that is a pressure-releasing mechanism. If some of them can go out, the pressure on them can be reduced. They don't care where these young people are going. I'm yet to see a, a parliament on the African continent which tables a motion which is going to discuss the immigration of people from their own countries. It has not been done. I'm yet to see a, a country where a government prepares um, conditions or prepares their embassies 
where embassies will be helping children or young people who have migrated to those particular countries. The countries, the leaders don't seem, they seem to be aloof. All they are interested in is getting remittance because some of the remittances which these countries are pushing in, if you look at countries like Kenya, we have got a good workforce which has migrated out. The remittances are so heavy, they are even bigger than the international aid which is coming into the country. So many of the leaders would wish to have that uh, uh, remittance more than looking or stopping it. Because if they stop it, it is a major contribution on the budget of the country. So that is why on the gross, uh, on, on the gross domestic product, because it is bringing in income on the, on the budget of the country. So they wouldn't wish to have them stop. So that is one of the dilemmas which the, the countries are facing. So, so long as there are no particular systematic efforts made to improve the economies of these countries, you won't stop them. Number two, some of the countries are felt with instabilities. Countries like Burundi, until recently, they had instability. So people were forced to move out. Countries like South Sudan, countries Yemen, Somalia. So those are automatically migrating countries. You cannot stop them. And even the leaders themselves don't have control on them. So if they cannot stop them, how can they look after them when they are already in the countries where they have run? So that is the dilemma which the young people and the continent are facing. Uh, Nelly, uh, uh, talking of those who are being shipped to do odd jobs elsewhere, what's the, what's the feeling in Kenya and what, what's the government position? Is, are they encouraging, as the Suleiman says, people go so that they can get remittances from there? I agree with what Suleiman said in relation to remittances. We find that uh, the Central Bank of Kenya has mainstreamed remittances into the budget. For instance, in the month of April, uh, we see that uh, the remittances from the diaspora was uh, clocking almost 300 million US dollars. And uh, we see that uh, most Kenyans are looking to leave the country, to seek employment outside. And uh, when you look at the application for the green card, about 24, 22.4 million Kenyans uh, applied for the green card, or Africans applied for the green card uh, yearly. And so this, uh, most times they end up going to provide workforce for, for those in these developed countries. And uh, they are exploited in the process because some go as illegal immigrants. They are not documented, so they cannot even seek redress because when they seek redress, they fear repatriation. And so the cycle continues. When they go out there, those who have been left behind believe that those out there uh, are making a lot of money. So there's a lot of pressure for those who are working uh, abroad. Uh, and, and, and because with that pressure, uh, they have to do so many other manual jobs so that they can be able to sustain the families they have left behind. Uh, we see that the African Union attempted to come up with a mechanism or a policy framework to control that, but uh, we see that uh, despite all that, it is not working. Many people still are migrating, and this has led to brain drain, and many professionals 
instead instead of uh, contributing to their countries of origin because they've been educated there, trained there, and skilled there, they are uh, contributing to innovation in the countries they have uh, left for. And so we see that the imbalance of development will still favor rich countries because uh, they mainly rely on labor and even intellectual input from those who migrate there for green pasture. And now for those just joining us, you are listening to Reporters Roundtable. We are coming to you from the Voice of America here in Washington. Tonight we are discussing migration from Africa and factors leading to that. And uh, my panelists are Nelly Mora Nyangorora, a Nairobi-based independent journalist, and Suleiman Mgula, an independent political analyst. And I'm your host, uh, Douglas Simpoga, here in Washington. Um, Suleiman, you want to say something? Yes, I wanted to add okay. on from what Nelly said. He said the intervention by the the European uh, community. He was talking of European Union. He was talking of. Uh, I'm sure he's talking about the the uh, the European Emergency Trust Fund, which was created in in 2015. In 2015, and it provided funds to about 26 countries in Africa in in relation to the immigration of people. It was supposed. It is supposed. It is going. I think up to to 2021 this year. It was supposed to support uh, various projects like uh, uh, vocational training, uh, training of small business entrepreneurs, uh, training young people in various, skilling young people in various capacities. But the way Nelly has said that one doesn't seem. To, to have an impact. As she has said, uh, and even the reports which are there, the European Union has just released, I think, a report on the effect of that uh, uh, European Trust Fund, and it shows that actually instead of stopping the migration, it is actually a, a encouraging migration because after the young people have been given skills, after the young people have been trained, there are no jobs for them. And then they feel they should look elsewhere where they can use those skills. So they end up trying to go again to migrate. They have tried to have border controls. Instead, they are trying to have alternative routes. So a lot of money has been spent by the European Union. It, it put aside about... Um, uh, about um, 900, 900 euros for that program. And it has been going on for about five years now. But when they have evaluated it recently, they found that, yes, it has provided opportunities for the young people, but those opportunities have, been, have not been utilized in the mother countries because the opportunities are not there in those mother countries. So those ones who have been skilled, they have ended up again also migrating. It is as if now they are training people so that they can migrate. Uh, uh, that's, that's quite interesting. Uh, Nelly, um, hmm. despite all these many up young Africans uh, lacking jobs and lacking uh, economic stability, uh, taking off from the continent, there are a flood of Asians, Chinese in many countries now are flooding the continent. Some estimates put them at 5 million. They are Indians. They are... Many people floating back to Africa. That seems to be ironic. 
Yeah, it is, it is quite ironic that uh, while uh, many Africans feel that the continent has no opportunity, we see that uh, there are many other international migrants who are coming into Africa and are residing in Africa. And we see that the number has been growing by an average of 3% per annum uh, of, of migrants from European countries, North America, Asia, Australia, Chinese. And, and, and for them, they're saying that uh, Africa provides them a decent living outside the country of origin. And uh, most of these, are, as, as much as most of these come as expatriates, some just come as uh, individual investors. And they are making a living and a very decent living here. So it, 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 it raises the question that uh, how come for the my for the for those born in the continent, it, it is so hard to to make ends meet, and they feel like they have to leave the country for them to enjoy or have a decent income, while many many others keep on coming into Africa and they are making. A lot of money, some are engaged in oil exploration through multinational companies, others are engaged in mining, the gold, diamond, and copper, others work for international organizations in health services and even conservation. And then there are also those in uh, telecommunication, banking, healthcare, and many, many other places. So uh, we think that, uh, yes, Africa has remained. Uh, elusive in terms of opportunities for its people, but for the foreigners, somehow there are incentives given for them for them to be able to live comfortably and uh, work decently and earn high incomes. And, and, and perhaps this is what has contributed to the rising inequities when you look at developed and developing countries, because those from developed countries come in, make their money, and most times they still bank it outside there. Uh, the, 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 the migrants who live at the continent, they go there, work, 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 and get in so many jobs so that to make ends meet. And then at the end of the day, yes, they do remittances back home, but mainly the contribution they make to the countries of where they've migrated to is migrated to is immense in terms of the contribution to labor, like I said, in terms of research, because even records show that uh, most of uh, the research papers and uh, the, the new knowledge has come from African scientists who work outside their own African countries. And uh, so uh, this, this new knowledge, when the African, can, uh, Africans contributed when they're out there, they're not credited. It belongs to where they've gone. And uh, we even see that many of these uh, uh, developed countries, they put incentives in terms of scholarships for Africans, where many go there for higher, for their higher studies, and once they're there, they, whatever innovation they contribute to, to research, it ends up benefiting the, the countries who hosted them. So we see that uh, as we progress, it is time that the African Union really looked at this issue and uh, perhaps come up with a holistic framework that will try to regulate and even uh, ensure that uh, the brain drain does not harm the Africa as a whole. I see. Uh, Suleiman, uh, talking of incentives to foreigners to come to Africa, there are, many, hmm. there are several countries that are actually giving out arable land to foreigners to, to, to cultivate, to use. 
and which was and agriculture was the stable occupation for many Africans. And some, even the, the, those who come to Africa can even go to retail business, the type of things that locals could have done. But that seems to be okay, it appears. That is why the whole continent, especially the progressive people, was so excited about Magafuli in Tanzania. A man who could examine a loan from China and then tell them, I don't want that loan because it does not benefit my people. Most of African countries have not reached that level. Instead, many African rusted leaders, especially the dictators, especially those who have stayed for more than 10 years, those who are rusted, they have lost, they have mortgaged the countries. You find that a foreigner is treated better than an indigenous African. As you have said, a foreigner has got more privileges than a local person. Any local small entrepreneur, small small business, you would need some capital to start a business. You need some capital to 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 to, to buy your 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 goods. You need a place to rent. You need. If you look in countries, for example, like Uganda, until recently, rent for business was being paid in dollars. It doesn't matter what the size of the place you are renting. They were paying in dollars. Who an African can afford those? Number two, when you look at a country like Uganda and so many African countries, the, the number of taxes which the traders are supposed to pay leaves them with nothing to take home. Number three, as you have said, the environment which is created, the, the cost of electricity, the cost of everything. So you find that citizens or indigenous people within their own countries, they can't manage. But the foreigners, some of the taxes are waived. Some of the taxes, they don't pay them. Some of the, the, the places, as you say, they are given at subsidized prices. They, they, can be, they, are, they are able to buy land. They are able, some land they are given free to establish their farms, which cannot be given to the local people. So the local people are not going away. The young people are not going away because they don't want to stay in the countries. The conditions that are prevailing in many African countries don't encourage them to start business, don't encourage them to run business, don't encourage them to survive within those particular countries. That is why some of them are left with no alternatives but to die on the high seas. Uh, uh, briefly, Nelly, there is this element also of these some corporations, like especially China, where they, when they come to construct bridges and roads and airports, they bring their own people to come and to do even the menu jobs, and they don't give them to locals. Uh, briefly, what, what is it about that? Briefly, very briefly. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's the scenario. And uh, what has come out is that uh, Chinese prefer using their locals to construct because. They, they, they say these locals, uh, people who, uh, if they are not doing this kind of job here, they will be in prison. And so for them to contribute to the state, uh, they, they are brought to Africa so that they can engage in these manual jobs, but which 
is again unfair to the locals because you come in to construct uh, something in our country, we should benefit as locals. Uh, and, and, and again, we see that uh, many of these Chinese have um, taken up jobs, like uh, when, when they're out, they're not engaging the construction work, they are hoping. And, and again, now again, uh, they, they are able to get goods from their country at a good price, and now they displace even the hookers who are engaged in that job in their own country. So the iniquities will continue, unfortunately, uh, and, and, and this time that Africa looked at its uh, potential and uh, tried to harness what it has and be able to ensure that uh, it uses its youth well and gives them opportunities that will make them stay because uh, the brain drain that comes from migration uh, is not helping Africa at all. Uh, briefly, Suleiman, uh, 30 seconds. What, what should be the solution then? So long as you don't have governments which are inclusive, where people are free to express themselves, so long as you don't have governments which are accountable, where you have got a parliament where people can represent their views, where you have got a parliament which can consider the, the fate of the citizens, so long as you don't have democratic institutions where people can express their views, where people can, can be able to talk about taxation, can be able to talk investment, you will not have a dent into the migration. The migration is... An indictment, it shows the type of leadership which we have on the continent. A rusted leadership, uncaring leadership, a leadership which is aloof to the needs of the people, especially the young people. That is what Chisekedi said in the Africa-France conference. Chisekedi in the, Afri in the France African conference, which has just been held in France, Chisekedi said that much as the African countries are crying for assistance from the European and developed countries, those, that assistance will not help unless the African countries and leaders themselves improve on the issues of governance, on the issues of economic policies. They will not make a dent. On its own, will not help African countries unless we improve our leadership and the governance system. I see. Well, uh, gentlemen and ladies, uh, that's uh, all the time we have for this edition of Reporters <coughs> Roundtable. Uh, thanks to Nelly Mora Nyangorora, uh, Nairobi-based independent journalist. Nelly, thanks very much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much again you, for hosting me. You're very much welcome. And uh, thanks, Suleiman Mugula in uh, Durban. It is always a pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me. Always. And... Uh, that's all we have for tonight. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another edition of Reporters Roundtable. A reminder that you can hear our roundtable on the internet. You just go to our, our main website at vonews.com, click on programs, and scroll down to Reporters Roundtable. Thanks once again for tuning in, and until next week, I'm your host, Douglas Simpoga, wishing you all the best. Stay informed and up to date Monday through Friday at 3.30 and 17.05 UTC with VOA's International Edition.
Our correspondents bring you the news from around the globe. Plus, we delve into the context of the day's biggest stories with interviews with experts that place the story into context to understand why it matters. VOA's International Edition, your best source for news and information. Hello, this is James Barton, Managing Editor and host of VOA's Daybreak Africa show. Join us Monday through Friday at 03, 04, 05, and 0600 hours UTC as we bring you the latest Africa news, features, and sports. You can also be a part of Daybreak Africa through our mail segment by sending your comments to daybreakafrica at voanews.com. Or you can call us on 001-202-205-9942. And when you hear the Voice of America identification, press the number 25 to leave us your message. That's Daybreak Africa at 03, 04, 05, and 0600 hours UTC right here on VOA Africa. VOA Africa has built a successful, effective social media strategy through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and other digital platforms. We are responding to our audience on the African continent and in the global diaspora. We believe in the power of connection and interaction to bring you news that is comprehensive, accurate, and objective. We see the changes in technology as an opportunity to engage with our audiences about the issues that affect them. At VOA Africa, we don't just report the news, we help shape the conversation on the continent. VOA, your trusted source for... 